book of Lamentations is a series of dirges or songs of mourning written against the backdrop of the impending Babylonian invasion and the destruction of Jerusalem. Within the pages and the verses of the book, we're able to witness the suffering of Israel at the hands of her enemies. But even within the midst of that turmoil and and the pain, God's faithful prophet, standing strong, recording the events during this period of time in man's history, writing down all the things that took place, all the warnings that led up to this terrible event in in the history of Israel, and bringing honor and glory all the time to the God of heaven of who he served. The writer of Lamentations is likely the prophet Jeremiah, also known as the weeping prophet, and for good reason. When one studies the life of Jeremiah, what he will discover is a life that is a portrait of unending sadness and deep depression. Grief almost, as it were, at every turn. When engaging in this study, we need to keep in mind that sadness and that depression and that grief because there was some reason that Jeremiah was able to continue to do the things that he did even under those trying and dire circumstances. I want us to notice some of the events in the life of Jeremiah. First of all, God called an unwilling prophet to service, didn't He? Notice Jeremiah 1 beginning with verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. He didn't want to be a prophet. That was the first thing, wasn't it? When he did begin to prophesy and preach the commandments of God, His only message was a message of judgment. Bad things to come. The result of being unfaithful, that was His message, Jeremiah 1, 9 through 10. He was forbidden to marry so that He could devote Himself wholly to the work of God. And as a result, He was very familiar with loneliness in this life, Jeremiah 16. 1 through 13. He was a man of deep sadness and he wept openly, often, for the sins of the people. Jeremiah 9 1. He endured the great burden and the, the great sacrifices, the burden of depression as he delivered his message. And we can understand that because it went unheeded for so long. He became discouraged at the thought of continuing that message, but he didn't stop, though he did try to stop. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, of course, that's very understandable. Over almost a 50-year ministry, it's not recorded for us that one Israelite ever repented of their sins. Fifty years. He suffered imprisonment by King Zedekiah, because he did not like God's message, Jeremiah 32, verse 5. 
And after the fall of Jerusalem at the hands of Babylon, we don't read about Jeremiah standing before the people telling them, I told you so, basking in the the glory of being correct. He was simply ushered off into captivity and he suffered with the rest of God's people. And after enduring such such a life as that, after being rejected and hated, mocked, imprisoned, and ignored, he kept going. He simply continued. After seeing his beloved Jerusalem ransacked at the hands of the Babylonians, desecrated and and destroyed, after experiencing the horror of war, the brutality of his enemy, and the pangs of hunger, Jeremiah was still able to stand up and do what God asked him to do among the rubble of the cities, the body of the dead, and deliver the commandments of God. Why was he able to do that? Have you ever studied the life of Jeremiah in any kind of depth? And and have you ever wondered how was it that he was able to endure all that he endured and still able to give praise to God before people that hated him because they didn't like God's message? It wasn't Jeremiah's message. It was God's message. They happened to punish Jeremiah for it. Why was he able to do that? He was able to do that and all these other things because God is faithful to His people. And Jeremiah knew that. Despite his problems and his troubles, Jeremiah had gotten a good grasp upon who God really is. And he understood that. He knew whether whether things went well, and most often they did not, or whether things went badly, He could count on God. God would still be God and He would be eternally faithful to His people. Jeremiah was able to find hope in a hopeless situation because he believed in the faithfulness of the God he served and we serve the exact same God Jeremiah served. And He will be faithful to us. Our God is faithful And that's what I've entitled the sermon this morning. Our God is faithful. Like Jeremiah, we all go through times in this life when life just simply seems not at its best. When those times come, we need to be understanding. And we need the blessed assurance that our God will always be with us and that He is faithful. And we have that blessed assurance, don't we? We have a Bible that is full of evidences of God's faithfulness to His people. The word faithful and faithfulness used in our passage means firmness, fidelity, steadiness, and steadfastness. And it is a picture of God, one upon whom we can depend. That's God's picture. That's His characteristics. Now we read a lot and we hear a lot about faithfulness to God, don't we? We we hear a lot of sermons about being faithful to God, and rightly so, we need to be faithful to God. It's of the utmost importance for us to be faithful to God. But every once in a while we need to read about and we need to hear about God's faithfulness to us. Because it is on His faithfulness that our faithfulness is built. 
We need to be reminded of His faithfulness to all those who obey His commandments. God will always do what He says He will do. He's always done what He said He would do. And and He'll walk with each of us through the storms of this life, through the turmoils that we face, through the valleys. And He's proven Himself to be faithful and steadfast. That's why Jeremiah... And we need to understand the situation. His life was threatened. He was imprisoned. Eventually he was murdered for his work. But he was faithful. None of us are facing the things that Jeremiah faced. We need to look into the life of a great prophet who served the great God of heaven. And I want us to leave this morning understanding why he served the God of heaven. I want us to understand by looking at Jeremiah's example that he served the God of heaven and that's an example for us to continue in our faithfulness to him because he is faithful to us. It's just like his love for us. John said we love him because he first loved us. We're faithful to him because he was first faithful to us. Jeremiah served a God who is faithful because our God is faithful in His grace. That's our first point today. God's grace is what saves us. There's no doubt about it. Verse 22 of our passage speaks of God's mercies. The Hebrew word translated mercies in our text is often translated translated loving kindness over 30 times in the Old Testament. When we make our way to the New Testament... We see it's equivalent in the idea of God's love and grace. And now what it intends and what it conveys are the ideas of love and grace, mercy, faithfulness, goodness, and devotion. It describes God's love for humanity. He is a lover of His creation. He is faithful to us. He provides for us. Jeremiah remembered what God's grace did for His people. It brought them out of the land of Egypt. God's grace did that. He didn't have to bring them out of Egypt. But His love and His grace brought them out of Egypt. God's grace maintained them while they traveled through the wilderness for an additional 38 years, a total of 40 years. Even though they made mistakes and stumbled along the way, God's grace kept them while they were in the wilderness. Now there is something that is amazing about the grace of God. First of all, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve God's grace, but He extends it to us anyway. He's faithful in His grace to us. There's something else that is just as important about God's grace and something that is extremely important for us to understand is that it is conditional. God's grace is conditional. Once He extends grace does not mean it will always be in our lives because we can refuse it. That's right. Let's think about it. Contrary to what the denominational world teaches that that God's grace is all we need in this world to, to be saved and that once we have God's grace we can never get away from God's grace whether we want to or not, and that's a teaching in the denominational world. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
We can leave God's grace anytime we want to leave it. When we do not want to obey God any longer, He won't make us. Not that He doesn't love us, not that His grace isn't still extended, but we remove ourselves from it, not accessing it any longer. We know that. Galatians 5, verse 4. Those people in Galatia were, were going back to the old law. Paul said, if you're justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. They left grace. They left God's extension of grace. It was always extended. It'll remain extended if we want to accept it. We need to understand that. Only God's grace could have reached any of us in our lost conditions. Notice what Paul explained to the Christians in Ephesus. Ephesians 2, beginning with verse number 1. Paul said, "In you hath He quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and and were by nature or by practice were the children of wrath, even as others, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, you're saved. No doubt. No doubt about it. The grace of God is what saves us. But He didn't say grace alone. And it's not grace alone. Obedience to God's commandments is just as vital as God's willingness to save us. And it has to be included in our lives. Without obedience to God, we'll never access the great gifts that He's given to us. It's given freely. It's a free gift. We don't earn it. We can't do enough to earn God's grace, but it's been extended to us. Notice what Jesus warned, Matthew 7, 21. He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. God has put forth some commandments for us. He's put forth a plan of action for us to be able to access His grace. Grace combined with faith through obedience. That's how we do it. That's what God has provided for us, and that's the process by which God is willing to save each of us if we allow it to happen. God's grace saves us. He's faithful in His grace toward us, but it also secures us. We're prone to failure at times, aren't we? From time to time, we make mistakes in this life, and God knew we would need some help continuing and striving to be faithful. So in His faithfulness to us, He presented to us a way of redemption. A way to maintain our salvation. Now we're talking about after having obeyed the gospel. After having believed that Jesus came to earth and died for our sins. John 3.16 After having repented of past sins, saying, I want to turn my life over to God. I want to live after His example. Acts 3.19 after making the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts 8, 37, 
bringing us unto the point of salvation, Romans 10, 10. Then we are immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins. Acts twenty two sixteen. That's initial obedience. But see, we need some help along the way after having obeyed the gospel. God provides that for us. He secures us. He's presented a way for us to maintain when we make mistakes in this life. Notice what Peter said. He comforted his, he comforted his, reading, uh, his readers, 1 Peter 1, 3-5. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from, to, from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now remember, he's talking to a group of Christians, those people who obeyed the gospel. They've been brought back to life, spiritually speaking. They've been begotten or born again by an incorruptible power of God. He said, then we're kept by God through faith unto salvation. Our faithfulness to God gives us continual access to His grace. But we have to be faithful. We can leave. We can leave the faith. We can no longer be obedient to God. Even though most people in the religious world teach and believe a faith-only salvation, all you have to do is believe that Jesus is who He said He was. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Christ taught. But I want us to know, though they they teach a faith-only According to them, after you gain salvation, then they throw faith away. They throw faith away according to what Peter said, if you believe what they say. Notice again, they want us to believe there's nothing we can do to lose our salvation. But Peter clearly stated, we're kept by the power of God through faith. We can't throw our faith away. We have to keep it. We have to maintain it. Or else we'll be like the Galatians who fell from grace. Scriptural faith is a faith of action and obedience. It's a requirement that is met. There is not one example in the Bible of any person gaining God's unmerited favor without action on their part. They have to demonstrate an active faith. We are secured by that same faithful obedience throughout our lives as we live for God. We have to do that. God's faithfulness and His grace saves us. There's no doubt about it. It secures us, but it secures us by our faith, by our actions, by us being obedient to Him. Now we're able to be faithful to Him When we do that, the same as Jeremiah. What if Jeremiah had stopped doing what God asked him to do? Could he write these words of the Lamentations? Could he talk about being redeemed by God and being saved by God and being kept secure by God because of God's great grace? Well, no, certainly he couldn't have written those words. He wouldn't have been faithful to God. Jeremiah spoke of God's mercies, but then he also spoke of His compassion. It literally means womb, compassion in our text. It means to be moved in the heart out of love for another. That's what God did. 
He was moved in his emotion out of love for other people. It demonstrates God's actions in our lives, in the lives of His people. His great love, the things that He does, He works in our loves, in our lives. And because of that, we're able to to traverse the landscape of heartache and, and misery and things that happen that we don't want to happen. Some through no fault of our own and a lot of it because of what we've done. And we don't have to go it alone. God is faithful in His grace. Jeremiah understood that. That's why he could stand and deliver the message that he delivered even under the dire persecution that he suffered. God is faithful in His grace and His compassion for us. This compassion of which Jeremiah spoke makes Him faithful in His gifts to us. That's our second point this morning. We have the gift of His presence, don't we? And we can't see God, but God is always with us, Hebrews 13, 5. We can't see the wind, but we see the result of it. We can't see God, but we see the result of God. And at times, we may believe He's not with us in our sadness and in our misery, but but He has never left any of His people behind. He's never left anyone behind who didn't want to stay behind. We need to remember that. We see that in the parable of the prodigal son, don't we? Luke 15. We see a son who went off into sin. We see a son who lived in a riotous manner, who wasted his father's living, who blew his inheritance on all manner of sin and corruption. And then we see a young man who came to himself, who who came back to, to thinking the way that he ought to think and realizing what he had done and the problems that it caused and the people that it hurt. And he went back to God. God didn't leave him behind. But what we have to understand is that young man had to want to return to the Father. We have the gift of His presence, but... We have to remain in His presence. God doesn't go anywhere. Have you ever thought of it that way? Where's God when when this happened or that happened? He's in the same place He's always been. But where am I? Where am I standing? Am I standing in the presence of God or have I gone off into some other direction and, and I have left God's presence? We have been gifted with the presence of God and we've been gifted with His performance as well as we look at His gifts. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul said this, Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 14. He said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory and In the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God is greater than any problem that we have now or that we can ever have. I think the the word here that we need to focus on is able. 
God is able to do what we need Him to do. He's able to go above and beyond what we're able to do. He's faithful to us in His gifts of performance. He offers the aid of His strength to those who are obedient and those who carry out His will. He'll give that to us. God will take care of us. Now we may not receive in this life all the things that we would love to receive and we may not even receive some of the necessities that we need in this life but oh, will we receive the blessings in the next. And that's what Paul's talking about. Jeremiah said the gifts remain fresh. He said they're brand new every morning. There's an abundant amount of what God offers. He gives it to us abundantly. God is faithful to us. He's faithful in His grace. He is faithful in His gifts. And He is faithful in His goodness. That's our third and final point this morning. Jeremiah said that God was good. And this word good, it carries with it the idea of pleasant, agreeable, and excellent. It is a reference to the characteristics of God, to His character. And it reminds us that He is engaged in our lives. God satisfies the soul. That's what Jeremiah intended. Jeremiah described Him as, My portion, saith my soul. The word portion means part or inheritance. That's a wonderful word, isn't it? And when God is viewed in that light, we understand that He's all that we need. He is our portion. He's our part. He is our inheritance. Beyond that, what do we need in this life? David acknowledged. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 103, beginning with verse 1. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord of my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. God satisfies the soul. He gives us what we need. He may not give us everything that we want in this life, but He has provided for us all that we need in this life to live. If we look to Him... He's not going to desert us. He never will. Never intended on deserting us. Peter told those of the, of the dispersion, 1 Peter 1 verse 3, he said, According as His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. In His goodness, God satisfies the obedient follower. But He also sustains us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to, going to throw us away. Those who put their trust in God will, will never be failed by God. It'll never happen, Romans 10 verse 11. Jeremiah spoke of the salvation that comes to the faithful. And that is part of the goodness of our faithful God. Our God is faithful. Those who wait on the Lord will... We'll see Him in the end. That's part of the salvation, isn't it? We're going to be taken away from the troubles of this life. We'll be we carried off to the, 
to the enjoyment of an eternal life in heaven with Him if we've been found faithful on that last day. God will not fail His people. Jeremiah understood that. He endured some terrible things. He didn't want to do the things that he did, but he did them anyway. We talked about Jeremiah wanting to give up. He said, I'm not going to speak in the name of the Lord anymore, Jeremiah 20. I'm not going to do it. He had had enough, hadn't he? But he said, I could not forbear. He said, his word was like a fire shut up in my bones. He understood what he needed to do. God will not fail His people. He's promised salvation to the faithful. Now that's the key word, isn't it? To the faithful. If any will come to Him for salvation, He will not turn them away. If we come on His terms. Now if we choose to go away because we don't like His plan, well, He hasn't promised salvation to that person. But He has promised those who obey Him a home in heaven, John 14, 1 through 3. There is a way to salvation and out of the sins of this world. We talked about that. We talked about the plan, the faith in, in Christ, repentance and confession, immersion in water, faithful living. But see, there's another aspect of our lives that we need to be concerned with. And we talked about that a little bit earlier as well in, in how that God in His gift sustains us, in His grace. His grace saves us, it sustains us. He keeps us going when we need a little bit of help. We know that is the second law of pardon. We can ask God to forgive us, make right the sin in our lives, and He'll do it. And we remain in contact with the blood of Jesus, and and our sins are washed away. What greater gift could we hope for, knowing that at the end of this life, we have eternity in heaven with Him. Great is the faith that stands amid the wreckage of this life. And declares the praises of God. Isn't that the faith that Jeremiah had? But why did he have that faith? Because of God's faithfulness to us. God made some promises. Jeremiah was the kind of believer that God needed. Now we need to ask ourselves this morning. Am I the kind of believer like Jeremiah was? As we face the battles, the burdens, the valleys, the storms, the toils, the trials, the sadnesses of this life, we need to always remember God is faithful. And if we'll be faithful, He'll usher us into home, into heaven with Him one day as our home. There's a story told of a missionary in China. Family of four. They accepted Christ's invitation to obey the gospel. And they did that. And then the youngest of the family, a little boy, he expressed his desire to follow in the footsteps and, and the example of the other three. Well, his father came to him and he believed the boy was too young to completely understand exactly what, what that meant. He felt like he was too young to, to count the cost. And I don't know exactly the age of this young boy. But the father felt that he wasn't nearly mature enough and that he needed to reconsider and to consider the things that he had asked for. The boy replied this. He said, Jesus has promised to carry the lambs in his arms and I'm only a little boy. It will be easier for Jesus to carry me. But didn't he promise to carry his lambs? 
He did, didn't He? What battles are we facing today? Well, we're always facing a battle. Jesus will carry us in His arms if we'll be faithful. Why? Because God is faithful. He said He'd do it. After all, why would we not want to be faithful to Him after all that He's done for us? If you have need to answer the Lord's invitation this morning, consider God's faithfulness and what He's done for us. And then let us all consider our own as we stand and as we sing.